How many, how many just love that little video? Every time I see it, I love it. I see that little mushroom, I just want to attack it like a little Mario man. And so, remember the star? little star, and then we'd start flashing rainbow colors, and you could knock out any Oompa Loompa thing or whatever. And so anyway, love me some old school video games, and uh, it takes me back to a simpler time. Anyway, uh, welcome. So glad that you're here. Uh, we are in part two of a series called Level Up. So if you are not here last week, please go back and get a free copy of the CD or go check it out online. So glad you're here. In this series, what we're talking about is one simple idea that God likes you. God loves you. God actually wants you to level up in life. There are all kinds of different people in the Bible who attest to this idea. David talks about a person and God wanting to make them prosper in, in, in every way. Uh, Jesus talks about having a life, but then having it more abundantly. Paul talks about the idea about your life excelling. And then, and then the, uh, uh, the Apostle John talks about your life being prosperous and being a success. And so you have all these guys in the Bible break off the idea that, hey, like God actually wants you to elevate in life. God wants you to level up. So like wherever you are now, God wants you to... Like, level up beyond that. Like, wherever 2014 brought you, God wants you to level up. He wants 2015 to be even better for you. And so in, and in every arena of your life, this isn't like one thing. Don't get locked into like, well, I got this much money now and now. No, it's not, it's, it's, it's not just a money thing. Although finances, I think, is included. I think it's your health. It's your relationship with your kids. It's your marriage. It's your career. It's, it's your entire life and well-being. God, you, sometimes we think that, that, oh, well, God is spiritual. God, God is spiritual, but like God wants more than you just to thrive in a spiritual sense. God, everything in your life is spiritual. You, you don't think it is? Watch how your marriage, and if that's not going good, how that affects your relationship with God. Or how you, if your relationship with God's not going good, how that affects your marriage. I'm telling you, it's all interconnected, it's all related, and God wants you to level up. Everybody say last week. Last week, if you are not here, this is so important. We've got to set this foundation, because if, if we don't make this defining statement then everything else that we say or do could be in vain. If we don't actually define success as God defines success, then what happens is, is we end up climbing a ladder and figuring out later in life that it was leaning against the wrong tower. We end up chasing a rainbow only to end up that there was no pot of gold. We end up building a tower and realizing we actually built it on the wrong plot of land. I mean, it's just all kinds. Of, we end up going down 580 you know, east trying to get to the beach. It's just, it's just bad. I feel like somebody's done that before. Like, yeah, baby, I got this Gibbies. Let's do it. You know, you're like, uh, anyway. Success, as God defines success, is in the most simple of terms. And success is the fulfillment of his purpose for your life. That's where success begins. So to start out in life and say, well, I want to do this, and I want to be great at that, and I want to succeed this, and I want to achieve these things, and, and have never asked the question, God, what would you have me do? Like, what, what meaning did you create for my life? And, and sometimes it's the most simple thing, and sometimes it's a very, very personal thing. But to just go out and say, I'm going to be incredibly ambitious for me, I want to achieve for me, is actually going to lead you astray. You have to start with the question, God, what would you have me do? Like, what did you create me for? What do you have me on this people planet to do and to be? And what, what would you have me do? Not only that, there's a unique secondary question that must be asked. And it's, it's not just a question of what do I need to do, but it's a question of, everybody say, how? How, how do I need to go about doing it? That, that God just didn't establish a what, and then it's a free-for-all to see who can do the best. But he actually established a how, meaning there's a way to go about and do things. Like, there's an ethic 
There's a moral. There's, there's the laws of God. And when we stray from those, we could be doing what God wants, but not be doing it in a moral, ethical, or according to God's ways. And God would still look back and say, uh, you've missed it. So all success begins with the idea of, I need to fulfill God's plan for my life. Now that we begin to pray that prayer. And I'm telling you, just having that heart and having that prayer will lead you in the right path. Just staying there, staying connected to God, that will, that's going to help you out. But once you go from there, that's where we're at today. How do you build upon that? Okay, God, I feel like I'm doing what you want me to do it. I'm trying to do it how you would want me to do it to the best of my ability, as best I can. But like, how do I level up from here? I feel like I might be stuck. And today I want to talk to you about the three elements that converge. The three elements that come together that actually create success once you figure out, what am I doing here? Let's pray before we begin. Bow your heads with me if you would. Father, we thank you, God. Uh, We pray that you'd bless our time together. Speak to us today, God. Challenge us today. God, let us walk out different than the way we came in. God, that's our prayer in Jesus' name. We all said, amen. So if you have your Bible... This series is really kind of built on an incredible parable, a story that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 25. And it's a big story. I want you to read it on your own. It's usually referred to as the parable of the talents. And instead of reading the whole thing like I did last week, I'm going to paraphrase and tell you the story. The story goes that a landowner, a wealthy man, takes his three servants and gives the three servants his wealth. To one guy, he gives five talents, talents of gold, bags of gold. To another guy, he gives two. To another guy, he gives one and says, now I want you to go get to work. I'll be back at some point in time. So the guy with five talents goes out and he does awesome. He turns it over and makes five more. and Now he's got ten. The guy with two goes out, turns it over, makes two more. Now he's got four. The guy with one got afraid, got nervous, didn't know what to do, thought, you know what? I'm just going to bury the thing. At least I won't lose the one and you know I won't get in trouble for making a mess of my life or making a big mistake. And so I'll just bury it. Then the master returns. So he comes, calls his servants to, you know, find out what went on while he was gone. He, the, the guy with five says, look, boss, I make five more. And the servant or the master says this. He goes, well done, you good and faithful servant. How many know that's what you want to hear at the end of this life? Well done, good and faithful servant. The guy with two comes, says, look, boss, I had two. I made two more. What do you think? He goes, you're awesome. Well, well that was, I'm putting that in. He goes, well done. You good and faithful servant. The third guy comes up. He's got one talent. He goes, boss, I was afraid. I knew you were a hard man. You know, he makes all these excuses. And he goes, so I just, I just didn't lose it. I buried it, but I got it back for you. Here's your one. He goes, and this is mean. Your boss probably didn't talk to you like this. If you work construction, maybe. Um, you wicked and lazy servant. How many know that's not nice? You call your HR rep. Your boss starts talking to you like, you wicked and lazy servant. And he goes, and he tells his guys, he goes, take the talent from that guy and go give it to the other guy. There's this fascinating scripture. I'll just read this one. Verse 28 says, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. This is verse 28. Verse 29. For everyone who has will be given more. And he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have meaning the guy with one, even what he has will be taken from him. Now, you could think about that scripture for a while. Let that rattle around and knock around in your dome. What Jesus is saying here is he's giving a story that's like a microcosm of life. And in this, in this story, what you begin to see are three elements that I think come together that create success. Here are the three elements that do it. Number one is this. Everybody say talent. Number two, everybody say timing. And number three is this. It is maximizing your potential. You don't have to say that. 
All right, let's try it anyway. Everybody say, maximizing your potential. Okay, there y'all did it. Y'all were pretty good at that. So that's it. Those are the three elements, and I'll show them to you. Number one, it was talent. Number two was timing. Number three was maximizing. Those are the three things. Everybody say talent. Now, you know about talent, right? Because you watch The Voice. Now, even better, you know about people that don't have talent because you watch American Idol, right? Isn't that the best part of American Idol? Nobody cares about the top ten. I don't care about the idiots that think they can sing. They really can. Those are the best people to watch, aren't they? And then they get mad and they curse and you can see the demons flare. And, and so, because there's, there's some cuckoo people out there. And so anyway, you, you, talent, you, you know what talent is because you know talent when you see it. And you see people that have these incredible gifts and abilities. And, see, and so then we get locked in. This is a mistake we make. We get locked into thinking, wow, that's talent. Wow, they can do this. Wow, they can do that. But the Bible teaches something different. The Bible says that every person, everybody say every Every person has talent. Look at what Peter said. 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as God's stewards of God's varied grace. Romans, this is what the Apostle Paul said. He was talking about people and their gifts. He said, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Like we all have gifts. They're all a little bit different. But you need to know this. You're talented. Everybody, let's, let's have a self-affirmation moment. Are you ready? Everybody say, I'm talented. I don't know what you have. I'm talented. My talent, my talent. And so this is what you need to know, is that for you to be a success in life, you need to recognize that you've got some talent. You need to use your talent. Talent is what makes success. Can, can we get amen? Just talented people. But again, here's the problem. Here's what I see in society. Of the three elements that I mentioned just a minute ago that we'll talk about, I think talent is the most overrated. It's got to be. I... I I'll, I'll prove some thoughts to you, because sometimes we think, man, they are so smart, they are so gifted, they're so talented. Listen to this. More than 50% of all CEOs of Fortune 500 companies had a C or C-minus average in college. 65% of all U.S. senators came from the bottom half of their school classes. 75 this, this might not bode well for our country then. Uh, 75% of our U.S. presidents were in that same lower half club in school. And more than 50% of millionaire entrepreneurs never finished college. So talent, in the traditional sense as we see it, it's not everything. As a matter of fact, I don't, I don't know if you ever felt like that. I remember being at school and, and in Bible college, I felt like I was one of the most least talented kids in the school. Like I'm sitting there looking at my classmates and the other guys in my degree, in my field. I'm like, God, these guys are brilliant. Guys, these, these guys have been so much more studied than I am, or they've been so much more experienced than I am, or they can preach so much better than I can, and they, they just seem like, oh my God. And I just felt like, the, and you know what's funny is, is that, you know, they seem talented on the outside. And the funny thing is, is that time is a real proof of what lasts. Time is a real proof of what really works in the long term, because a lot of these guys washed out eventually, or made huge moral failures, or did just dumb things, or they somehow derailed themselves. So talent isn't, it isn't everything. And so that's, that's where we need to go. Is that, 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 here's another thought that, that you need to chew on, is that giftedness and maturity do not go hand in hand. The NBA, the NFL, Hollywood, music industry is all proof that giftedness and maturity, have you ever seen a Kanye West interview? Giftedness and maturity do not go hand in hand. They don't. And so this is why you find people that because of their talent, 
they become really, really successful, maybe in a monetary sense, but they end up doing incredibly dumb things that wreck their lives in every other arena. This is why you've got to remember that what you're wanting is not a successful chunk of life. You're wanting a successful life. What I don't want for you is to get down the road and be like, I was an all-star at my career. But then have the story of, but actually I was a workaholic, I neglected my children and my wife divorced me and now I'm alone and I'm lonely. Because what you've got now is is you've got categorical success. Meaning like you were success because of one area of your life because you neglected other areas and now your health is deteriorate because you did this your whole life. Does, Does that make sense? Like God doesn't want you to have just a successful career, he wants you to have a successful life. So remember, maturity and, and giftedness is not... He, here's one of the other things I run into, is that one of the temptations of talent is to be lazy. Because you're so gifted, have you ever seen somebody like this? Because they're so gifted, because they're so talented, they just don't work that hard. Because they know they can get by, and they can maybe even be better than most, purely by riding on their talent. Think about the parable. Imagine the five-talent guy. How many do he have? Five, right? Let's say the one, let's flip the story around. Let's say the one talent guy goes out, works hard, maximizes the potential, does everything he can, and he doubles his talent. Now, most people in life say, that's a success. God would even, according to the parable, say, that's a success. How many talents would he have? Which would be less than half of the guy with five talents to begin with. But if we look at the story and we just flip it on its head, God would say, well, this guy was a failure. Because let me ask you one critical question. When you were born, did you get to choose the talent that you have? So is your talent really any doing of yourself at all? I mean, did anybody come out the boom and say, I like that one and that one and that one? No. You didn't get any of those options. So let me ask you a simple question. Who then chose and gave you your talent? God, y'all are quiet. Y'all are like, I don't want to make a mistake. I don't be that guy. Yeah, Jesus is always the If you say Jesus, you're almost never wrong. Okay, just if all fails in church and the pastor asks a question, just Jesus. And if you're wrong, I was just worshiping. Sorry, my bad. So, so talent. So, 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 but, so, so in the realm of talent, but talent is there, right? I mean, talent's still a factor. Talent is still an element. You still need some talent. Number one is this is, is this is what you need to think about in the realm of your talent. Number one, you need to discover your talent. Some of you don't know what it is. Some of you aren't really sure like why. Well, I, I mean, Todd told me I was gifted. I mean, Peter said I was gifted. Paul said I've been given gifts. But I don't really know what they are. That means it is on you to discover what those gifts are and figure out what those things are. Number two is this. Not only do I want you to discover your talent, once you figure that out, you've got to cultivate that thing. You've got to develop your talent. The, really, the greatest people that achieve the greatest levels of, of obvious success excuse me, are people that are incredibly gifted, and work incredibly hard at developing their gift. You don't find people at the top of the heap with just pure talent alone. You don't. There, there are no anomalies. As a matter of fact, uh, there's a great book called Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell that goes on to say at the top of the industries, you never find somebody who's just a pure phenom. There's phenom plus work. And there was something that he called the 10,000 hour rule when he discovered and he studied that he found that everybody to get good at what they were actually naturally gifted at to begin with, put in a minimum of 10,000 hours at it. So there is an element of not only discover your talent, but develop your talent. Number three is this, not only develop, but like stay within your talent. Like stay with it. Like be, this is especially true if you're young and you're starting out. Like find what you're good at. Work hard at that thing. And if you can, stay in that lane. 
Because when you stay in that lane, I'm telling you, success just becomes a lot easier. And then lastly, this might be the most important one because it sets the tone for your attitude, your mindset. Be grateful for your talent. Like, you need to thank God for your talent. Because when you're not thanking God for your talent, I'll tell you what you're doing. Number one is this, is you're comparing your talent to other people. And the Bible says comparison is just unwise. There are people, because God doesn't judge on that scale, does he? When the guy with two talents doubled it, what did he say? He said, well done, you good and faithful servant. He didn't say, well, it was okay, but the other guy, I don't know if you saw that, he got five. What's up, jump? He didn't do that. Success is not comparable. You, you can't even begin to do that. Some people will achieve some levels of obvious success, like I said, just visible things you think you can see in ways. Why? Because on the scale, God didn't give everybody equally. Everybody's not created equal. They're created unique. They're equally valued, but they're not equally gifted. Does that make sense? Like God equally loves you. But necessarily, we, we didn't all come out the same with the same gifts and abilities. So God doesn't judge us based on the same exact thing. He judges you on an individual basis, asking the simple question, what did you do with the time and the talent that I gave you? What, what did you do? And so you, remember this, because if you're not being grateful, you're comparing. And I'm telling you, a comparison is unwise. The other thing that happens when we're not grateful, it, it's real simple, is whenever you're not thankful for something, you typically take it for granted. And when you take something for granted, you never get the most out of it. So be thankful, be grateful for your talent. I'm telling you, discover it, develop it, stay in that lane, thank God for it. I'm telling you, you're well on your way. That's number one. Everybody say talent. It's important. Probably the most overrated of the three, but it matters. Number two is this, it's timing. Now, there's a, a, this is an unseen element. You just need to track with me for a moment here. There's an unseen factor. Now, we do know that the master gave him the talent and said, hey, I'm leaving sir, for a certain amount of Everybody say time. So they were given a certain time slot. Now, we don't know when this was. This is a story. But here's what I know. Not only when you were born, you did not get to choose your talent. Are we all tracking? Are we all agree with that? Now, how many of you got to choose your time? How many of you, when you were born, you're like, you know what, 21st century in America? That sounds pretty nice. Because if we were to compare all other eras and most other places in the world, it would not measure up to America in the 21st century. Can, can I just... And we need to thank God for that too, by the way. We were given an incredible time, and there's a certain level of time and timing that goes into anybody's success. Have you ever noticed, have you ever had a moment where you just thought, wow, I got really lucky there. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Have you ever felt that way before? Okay, then you're not lucky enough if you're not, amen, amen. I'm going to get you there in a minute. Because we don't believe in luck. I don't know if you know that or not. Like, we feel lucky. Luck is a concept that we, we think is there. Actually, the rabbis teach that there is no such thing as luck, and they'll say that there is no luck in the ancient Hebrew language, and the reason why is because if they didn't create a word for it, it was because the concept didn't exist. There is no such thing as luck. Providence, sovereignty, and favor. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had the opposite thing happen? Have you ever had something bad happen and think, holy cow, I just was in the wrong place at the wrong time, with the wrong... Yeah, that's probably mostly foolishness. But there is an element, nonetheless, of there's good timing 
and there's bad timing. I remember, I remember the first time ever I really like had one of those deep moments. I'm driving home from work. I'm an intern at the church. So I'm working another job, uh, on the weekend or on the side to make some more money. And I'm driving home. It's late at night. I think it's like 11 or 12 o'clock at night, driving down Highway 31 South in Michigan. And as I'm going down the road, it's a two lane road. I'm sorry, it's a four lane road. So there's two lanes on my side of the road and I'm headed home. And I'm going down the right hand side of the road and I see a light up ahead. It's about to change. And so I change lanes and move over into the left lane. So now at this stoplight, there's a car on the right, there's a car on the left. And as we sit there, just a few seconds and a few moments go by, and then a truck comes and plows into the back of the car that was right next to me. That's where you have one of those moments where you're like, well, I'm glad I changed lanes. Then I ask, why did I change lanes? I'm not even sure. that, that I wasn't like a conscious thought. It wasn't anything specific. And you're like... What if I would have been over there instead of over here? And life is full of these tiny little moments where just one little moment, one little change, one little thing could seemingly alter the course of your day. Heck, it could alter the course of your life. These little moments where I was in the right place at the right time or I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I'm not trying to tell you that God really loved me and he didn't really care about that person. So he let the car smash. I'm not getting into that. that, That's way too deep, way too complicated to worry about. All I know is, is that when I looked at my whole life, my life fell into the category of, well, I just keep getting lucky. I just seemingly keep finding myself in the right place at the right time. I mean, whether it was the family I was born into, the time and the era that I was born into. I remember the school that I went to. Like, so all the great things in my life are traced back to one simple dumb idea that I didn't really come up with on my own anyway. I made a certain decision to go to a certain school. When I got to that school, I accidentally got placed right next door in the dormitory to a guy who had come from a church in Michigan. And because of that kid in my dormitory that actually started out on the top floor but got moved to my floor by some weird coincidence, I met him. We became friends. I met his pastor. After Bible college, because of that relationship, and there's so much more to it, I mean, I'm just giving you the cliff notes here. I was able to take an internship at an incredible opportunity in Michigan, which is also where I met my wife. Which, by the way, I just went to church, and I thought she was cute, so I went and hit on her. So don't take dating advice from me, maybe. But then maybe you should. It worked for me. So, 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 but, but because of this relationship with the pastor in Michigan, I meet another guy who connects me to a church in San Jose, which in a few years I moved to San Jose to take that church. And because of the relationship with that person, I end up taking over and doing this little church thing out here, which has been the most fun thing in my life, which I have the most incredible wife and I have the three most beautiful kids and all the great things in my life come from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can give a little bit. You're like, should I? I don't know. Yeah, go for it. Jesus. Yeah, just. But have you ever, but yeah, I just, I just saw other people in life that their timing didn't match up. And so now, now here's a question. Are you in control of your timing? You're not sure. No, everybody say no. Really, listen to what David said, Psalms 31. But I trust in you, O Lord. You are my God. My times are in your hands. Who has the ability to get you in the right place at the right time and with the right people by sheer luck, coincidence, whatever you want to call it? We call it providence, sovereignty, and favor. Who has the ability to put you there? You're like, Jesus. I was going to say God, but I'll give you that. 
And now, now you're like, okay, Todd, that sounds really, really nice and simple, but I don't, I don't know that I buy into it. Okay, follow me here. We think that a, there's a guy named Bill Gates in our culture and society who's reached the, the pinnacle of financial success and business success and all that stuff. And so th- there's this guy named Bill Gates. And if you've ever read his story, he basically attributes much of his success, if not most of his success, to coincidence and luck. He just happened to be born in a certain time period. He happened to go to one of the only two schools in America who had the type of computer programming that allowed him to get 10,000 hours in of computer programming before everybody else did. He just happened to get a meeting with IBM because the other guys that were supposed to have the meeting with IBM canceled and pushed back their meeting. I mean, all through, while everybody in, 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 everybody in the world was writing dress for success, this nerdy guy with glasses on was in their computer programming and made billions. And not only him, but Steve Jobs and all the the guys that founded Microsoft and Sun Systems and all the different... I'm going to give you a thought here. Did you know that all of those guys were born between 1953 and 1956? Surely that's coincidence. No, it's not. Were they smart? Yeah. Did they work hard? Yeah, they were born in the most crucial time period to jump on this internet wave and this internet bubble and this internet technology, this programming technology, this time period. The guys who started Google between 53 and 56, all these guys are born within the same time period because they were born in such a time that they leapt ahead of the old way of doing things and they were at the very crest and beginning of the new wave of doing things. You you know what? I'll give you another example. The guys that were the most wealthiest guys in American history Prior to some of these internet guys, listen to this. They were all born in the 1930s. I'm sorry, the 1830s. They were right there at the end of of all the pre-Civil War culture and economy. They were on the aftermath of it. I'm telling you, these guys were all born at the most crucial time. If I went through the list of all the different guys who made so much money, as a matter of fact, if they did a list of the 75 most wealthiest people in the world, 15 of them were in America and they were born in the 1830s. 75 of the most rich people in the world history. Not the world at that time, in world history. And 15 of them were born in the 1830s in America. You think that's a coincidence? Some people just happen. Now, now that doesn't mean that, well, I didn't get lucky, so I don't get to be a success. No, no, no. What that means is something a little bit different. It means that I need to trust God with my time. I need to pray for favor. I need to be constantly asking God to put me in the right place at the right time with the right people so that I can launch off of that into doing great things for God and His kingdom. That's what that means. It doesn't mean that I'm, I have nothing to do. As a matter of fact, what we'll find is this. I told you there was three elements that converge to make success. Everybody say talent. We already talked about that. Everybody say timing. We just talked about that. Now, let's, let's, we already answered these questions. Are you in control of what talent you were given? No. Are you in control of when you, when you were born or the timing in which you have? No, you're not. The third element, maximizing your potential. Of the three elements, it's actually the only one that you have any control over, truly. It's the only one. So you're saying that success is three parts and I only get to say one? Yep. You may only get to work at one pretty much. I mean, don't get me wrong, I want you to discover your talent, develop your talent, but I mean, this is where we get into the thought of, I want you to maximize your potential. Now, this is what potential is, so we're all tracking on the same page here. Potential is what I could be, but I have not yet become. In the same way that you have talent, you have potential, meaning you have capacity. The way my mind works, I always thought of potential as like a cup. 
So I always thought like, life is kind of like this based on this parable. That some reason, somehow, I'm born into a certain time and I'm given a certain amount of talent. I'm given an opportunity. I'm given potential. Meaning it's like I've been given a cup. And I think in life, sometimes you start out with like a, a Dixie cup. Anybody old school know what a Dixie cup is? Yeah, Dixie. Grandma had them. And so, if you have them, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm sorry. I love you. Because you're like my grandma. Dixie cup. I mean, Dixie cup's little. Now, here's what you need to know about a Dixie cup. You can't, I don't care how much you pray, you can only get so much into a Dixie cup, right? You can pray and fast, but, but you got a Dixie cup. The only thing you can get into that Dixie cup is how much the Dixie cup was designed to hold and to handle. But I think this is the way God works, seemingly based on the parable. Is that God, God said the guy made two, got two more. Awesome, he got to keep it. The guy with five got five more, and then they took the guy that had one and gave it to him too. So God increases your capacity. As you maximize your potential, but it seems like only as you maximize your potential. Meaning like when I get this little cup, if I'll fill up this cup, if I'll do my best and give my best and do everything I can to fill up this cup, I'll give this cup to God and God will give me what? A bigger cup. And it's not that much bigger, but it's a bigger cup. So then I get a bigger cup and my goal is to fill that cup up. So I give my best, I do my best, I work hard, I give God everything I can, I leverage everything that I've got in time, talent, and potential, and I leverage it for the kingdom of God and I give it back to God. And what does he give me? Over a bucket. And after a bucket, he gives me a tub. And after a tub, he gives me the pool. And I, I, don't, I don't know how this works exactly, but I believe based on this principle is that God is looking for you to leverage your time and your talent. And as you leverage your time and your talent, God gives you what? More. Isn't that what he said at the end of the parable? Let's read it again because I'm, I'm not trying to make stuff up. For everyone who has will be given more. You know what it said? And he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, and again, he was comparing the different people in the story. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. The sad truth is this, is it seems like in the story that if we don't maximize our potential, that it gets taken from us. Isn't that an interesting concept? So uh, you know, I, when I was a young man, I was a youth pastor in Michigan. And I had two young men who incredibly illustrated this idea to me. I had these two guys, I think one was my age, you're a little bit older, and one was definitely a few years younger. Their names were Dave and Ben. And these guys were in the church, and they were servants, and they, you know, they were there, and, and both of them wanted to, to, to kind of get involved, and both of them wanted to help out. Now, Dave, I'm just going to be honest. Dave was a little ofy. I don't even know what that means, ogre-like. Ofy, like, ugh, me Dave. You know, he's just a little ofy. He kind of had a weird voice. He wasn't very articulate. He did not dress well. He, you know, but he wanted to help. So what do I say? Absolutely, let's get you in here. Let's, let's. And I wasn't like trying to teach this guy. I wasn't this guy's mentor. I don't want to take any credit for any of these two people. But then there was Ben. And Ben was a guy, man, he was good looking. And Ben was funny. Ben was popular. Ben was a natural influencer. Ben was just a, a natural leader. Ben was a great natural communicator. Ben would go into a room and light up the room. And Ben would go around a group of kids. And the group of kids would just want to rally and follow. And so I had these two guys. And you can see that there's, a, there's kind of a stark difference here in what seems to be the base talent. And there was something unique about Dave. That even though he didn't come off like, but I'm telling you what, man, this guy worked hard. 
This guy was faithful. This guy was loyal. And over time, he started just to do things to up his game and to level up in life. And he started to dress a little bit better. And he just started to be a little bit more mature. He started to pull his world together. And this guy got excellent. And this guy got diligent. And this guy got smarter as he studied and worked hard. And then at the end of a few years of being there, you're looking at Dave and you're like, that guy rocks, man. Now, if you'd have compared these two guys at the beginning, you would have been like, oh, I'll take Ben. I'm telling you, Dave, Dave ended up being a rock star. Ben ended up being a washout. Because giftedness and maturity don't always go hand in hand. And this guy had all the talent in the world, but he never developed and he cultivated. He just rode on that talent. He thought, I'll just get by on this talent. And he took the influence that he had. He took some of the things and he squandered it all. And so you have these two people alive, and I'm telling you, one of them maximized their potential. They took their little cup and they did the best they could with it. And God kept giving them bigger cups. And this guy had a big cup. He wasted it. You know what's on you? Your talent's not on you. God gave it to you. I mean, take that up with God when you get to heaven. Your timing, you have none control over that. Take that up when you get to God when you get to heaven. What are you actually in control of? What do I do with the time and the talent that God gave me? And so there's these elements. Like, like, like I said, talent can be overrated. There's, there's a few things we'll just throw out here. Number one would be like preparation. Like, there's nothing like some good hard work preparing before you go in. Like, you can be smart and think, I'll just go in and whiz it. Or you can say, hey, look, I'm going to study hard. I might not be the smartest, but if I study harder than everybody else, I know I'm going to be able to do well. So, like, let's let's keep going down the list. Like, there's nothing like hard work. Again, the guy that has talent just rides that talent. They don't put in the effort that everybody else does. Character. Hey, I'm telling you, there's nothing that will derail you quicker than a lack of moral character. There's nothing, you start cutting corners, you start cheating, you start uh, slipping things by, and now that's not a big deal. And making excuses for ethical and moral decisions that you make, I don't care how talented you are. God could have put you in the right place at the right time, and you have all the talent in the world. You start making these issues, you end up in jail, you end up with broken relationships, you end up fired, you end up with all kinds of problems. Number four is this, attitude. Man, I'm telling you what, attitude's the difference maker, isn't it? Like talent with a bad attitude, nobody wants to be around you. You're just a diva. Isn't that what talent and bad attitude is? It's a diva. You're a diva. And here's the deal. If you're a diva, your talent better outweigh your divaness. If not, you're fired. You better be worth it to put up with. I'm telling you, don't even be that person. Be the person of utmost attitude, the utmost character that works hard, that puts in the time. And I'm just, I'm just throwing some random. I mean, I, these are just random things I want to throw at you. So you say, Todd, what do I do with this? What do I do with this idea? What do I do with these concepts? These three elements that converge to create success. Here's what I want you to do. Here's the walk away. We're going to get out of here. You're taking medicine. It's 1120. Number one is this, is I want you to be thankful for your talent. We talked about that. The very first thing that you can do is just say, God, I thank you that I'm talented and I'm gifted. I want to figure out what that is now. I want to develop it. I want to cultivate it. I want to use it for your kingdom, God. I am am thankful. Because when you're thankful, you're not comparing. And when you're thankful, you're not taking it for granted. Number two is this, is I want you to pray for favor. One of the most successful guys I know in life. This guy seems to just always walk in that divine luck. He always just seems to be in the right place. and And I asked him, I'm like, do you ever feel like God just favored you? I asked him that point. Like, you ever feel like God just favored you maybe a little bit more than he did other people? He goes, I kind of do. He said, but Todd, interestingly enough, he goes, since I was a kid, when I first became a Christian, I have always prayed 
for God to favor me. I don't know why. There's something I've always been praying. I want you to pray that God would favor you. There's something interesting. If you'll read Proverbs chapter 3, you'll discover how you find favor. I don't have time to teach on favor today. Pray for favor. Number three is this, is I want you to maximize your potential. Now, here's the deal. Next week, there are five very, very specific things that I want to tell you about and share with you about how you maximize your potential. Get back in here. As a matter of fact, next week is the message that this series was built upon. So if you miss anything, don't miss next week. Because these are the five things that I think that you focus on and you do. These are like five spinning plates that if you always just kind of keep your eye on these five things and keep doing these five, you're constantly going to be leveling up. I'm telling you, what do I do? You maximize your potential. And I don't know what that means for you. You're in your own unique field. You have your own unique world. But I want you to maximize your potential in every arena of your life as a dad, as a mom, as a student, as a husband, as a wife, as an employee, as a business owner, as a manager. Hey, as a Christian, I want you to maximize your potential. You're not in control of your talent. I want you to discover it and develop it. You're not in control of your time. I mean, but I want you to pray for favor. I'm telling you the one thing that you do have control over. You ask this one simple question. What am I doing to leverage all my time and all my talent for God and his purpose over my life? That's the question. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me today? Father, I thank you that today might be the starting point for somebody's kind of path to success. That today might be the starting point of us leveling up. That today we get our mind wrapped around what's really going on. That we start with, God, what would you have me do? What did you put me on this people planet for? And God, how can I leverage all the time and talent that you've given me? God, we want to be great for your kingdom. God, we want to excel in this life that you have given us, God. Help us to go and do that. We pray that you give us the wisdom, give us the insight, God, that you begin to show and teach us and reveal to us things, God. Help us to discover our talent. God, help us to walk in your favor. God, help us to maximize our potential, God. As we walk with you, Lord God, we pray that we be walking in your life, your abundant life. God, that is our prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?